DW Africa Link. It's exactly 5 p.m. here in Bonn, Germany, the same time as in Kinshasa DRC. But in Goma, the eastern parts of Congo, it is 6 p.m. Hello and welcome to DW's Africa Link with me, your host, Josie Mahachi. And Josie Mahachi is with me, Jojo Kachi, and we welcome you listening to us through our partner stations and also those following through our Facebook page, DW Africa. Not forgetting those tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Now, coming up on the program, U.S. condemns worsening violence in east of DR Congo and accuses Rwanda. Rwanda must end its support to M23. It must also withdraw Rwandan forces from Congolese territory and immediately remove any and all of its surface-to-air missile systems. But Kigali denies these allegations. So what will be the solution to the conflict in DRC? Let me let me put it this way and clear, straightforward. Military uh, intervention is not going to be successful. You can fight the M23 up until you blow. It will not change the perceptions of people. Today is also International Mother Tongue Day, so we will be touching on that. But for now, stay tuned for more after the world news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Kai Nebe. South Africa's Independent Electoral Commission has indicated its readiness to organize the nation's general election after President Cyril Ramaphosa announced the country will be voting on May the 29th to choose a parliament, which in turn will pick a president. Chief Electoral Officer Saima Mabalo said, The commission will be ready and uh, this day suits us. We think we'll be in a position to give the country an election that we can all be proud of. Acting um, together with other stakeholders, we all have a collective responsibility to ensure that they are free and fair, to ensure that um, campaign happens in a climate um, respectful of the rights of others, and that uh, ultimately the will of the South African voter gets expressed and recognized. This year's poll in South Africa may prove historic, with opinion polls showing Ramaphosa's ANC party on less than 50% for the first time in South Africa's three decades of democracy. Meanwhile, civil society representatives in the Democratic Republic of Congo say the resignation of the country's prime minister and several cabinet ministers, including the defense minister, could play into the hands of rebels in the DRC's volatile east. It comes as American officials told the United Nations Security Council that Rwanda and the DRC must walk back from the brink of war. Additionally, the UN has imposed an arms embargo, travel ban and asset freeze against six rebel leaders active in the DRC. Cuba's parliament spe- Cuba's parliamentary speaker is visiting Nairobi in a bid to uncover the fate of two Cuban doctors abducted in Kenya by Somalia-based jihadists almost five years ago, Cuba's foreign ministry said. The mission by Esteban Lazo comes after the Al-Shabaab Islamist militant group claimed that the two doctors had been killed in a U.S. airstrike in Somalia last week. Africa Link News comes to you from Germany's international public broadcaster DW. China and France have a 
criticized the U.S. for blocking a resolution in the United Nations Security Council demanding a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas, which is labeled a terrorist organization in many countries. The U.S. instead proposed its own plan calling for a temporary ceasefire linked to the release of hostages held by Hamas. Indian police fired tear gas and water cannons to scatter thousands of farmers trying to stage a protest march to Delhi after they rejected a government offer on prices for their produce, prompting an offer of fresh talks. The farmers, mostly from the northern state of Punjab, have been demanding higher prices backed by law for their crops. They also form an influential bloc of voters and Prime Minister Narendra Modi cannot afford to anger them ahead of the general elections due in March, analysts believe. That's the latest from DW News. I'm Kai Nebe. Thanks a lot, Kai, for the news. And you are listening to DW's Africa Link program coming to you live from our Bone Studios here in Germany. My name is Josie Mahachi. And Josie Mahachi is with me, George Okachi. Remember, you can be part of the show by sending us your comments on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Let's get straight to Rwanda, where regional armies, European mercenaries and local militias are all fighting the Rwanda-backed M23 rebel group in DR Congo. Congo's restive and forested eastern borderlands have long served as an operating base for multiple armed groups. Now, as the conflict there intensifies, Josie, the United States is now warning Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo that they must walk back from the brink of war as tensions between them flare up. Aram Atipo tells us more. The Democratic Republic of Congo and Rwanda are involved in a bitter spat. Each blames the other for supporting various armed groups in Congo's eastern provinces of North and South Kivu, Ituri and Tanganyika. Kinshasa, the United Nations and Western countries say Rwanda is supporting a rebel group active in eastern DRC to control vast mineral resources in the region. Robert Wood, the U.S. envoy to the U.N., says Rwanda must end its support to M23. It must also withdraw Rwandan forces from Congolese territory and immediately remove any and all of its surface-to-air missile systems, which credible reporting indicates have been responsible for intentionally firing on the aerial assets of MINUSCO. Kigali denies involvement in the conflict. Rwanda's envoy to the UN, Ernest Guamuchu, has warned against the externalization of the conflict. The issue must be resolved politically amongst Congolese. We will not accept this problem to be externalized into Rwanda by force once again. It should be well noted that any solution that doesn't cater for the root causes of the conflict in Eastern DRC will not last. The flaring violence has a volatile mix of rebels, militias, states and regional forces, private military contractors and local vigilantes. Each is driven by diverse interests and grievances, and there are fears that the fighting could spill over Congo's border. More than 250 local and 14 foreign armed groups are active in eastern DRC. The M23 rebel group is the most prominent of these. Some 1,000 Burundian troops are reportedly in North and South Kivu as part of a covert operation. 
Congolese political scientist Christian Moleka intimates that the Burundian forces are mostly fighting Congo-based armed rebel groups opposed to Bujumbura. By supporting the Democratic Republic of Congo, Burundi is supporting itself as it is helping to neutralize the Red Tabara rebels and cut off the influence that Rwanda via pro-Tutsi militias can exert on the Red Tabara movement, which aims to destabilize Burundi. Ugandan troops have been fighting in eastern DRC since 2021 as part of a joint operation to dismantle the Allied Democratic Forces, ADF, a militant group affiliated with ISIS. The ADF is designated a terror group by the United States and Uganda. Currently, troops under a Southern African Development Community SADC mission are leading peace operations after DR Congo's Chisekedi kicked out the East Africa Regional Force in December 2023. Aram Atipo, many thanks for that. Now, still on the same story, the security challenge facing the Democratic Republic of Congo is, to say the least, in quotes, monumental and concerning, the UN has the UN, sorry, has warned after a lull in fighting in the East during the elections, violence has resumed between the army and M23 rebels. More than 7 million people have been displaced internally by armed conflict. But Josie, this conflict should be understood not as singular, uh, but as multiple, not as national, but as regional. Most centrally, it should not only be seen as a resource driven, but shaped by the reproduction of cultural identities as political identities. This is how Dr. Jacob Kleuter sees it. And Dr. Jacob was part of the UN peacekeeping mission in uh, Congo, that is MONUSCO. And he presents an intriguing thesis about the root causes of the conflict. I spoke to him and started by seeking his views on Rwanda's involvement. Based on my research, uh, what I found is that Rwanda said they don't want to be part of the conflict. They're not involved in the conflict, but they're pretty much uh, in the conflict. The thing about Rwanda after 1994, they, they don't want to make this uh, an ethnic conflict. So the best way to explain Rwanda's foreign policy, especially when it comes to uh, in securing their national security inside Rwanda, is a Swahila phrase that they use. It's a Lindsay in a fine yiwa ya lupango, which means you have to stand outside the house to defend itself. And that is, has been their, their policy uh, since 1994. Standing outside the house implies their involvement in the conflict in the DRC. However, Jacob, how can we characterize the ongoing violence in Congo's restive east as an ethnic conflict? Uh, uh, I will tell you, Currently in the Eastern uh, DRC, it's an ethnic conflict. We cannot run away from it. Even though Rwanda say it's not an ethnic conflict, it's an ethnic conflict. It's a, it's a, it's a conflict between various ethnic, ethnic groups. What I'm trying to do in my thesis is, show, is actually showing that what we experience in the DRC is a politics of belonging. And this politics of belonging that we find not just in the Eastern DRC, but across the world, is always about land. It's they, the identity is strongly 
connected to a specific area and land. Well, if land is the primary issue, what can therefore explain the numerous military interventions we've witnessed in the DRC? We, we can see MONUSCO's failure in the DRC because their focus was military. And I was part of that force as a peacekeeper. So, so the, the focus is a military in, intervention. What we need to think about, and this is where we start solving the problem, not through a military solution, but conceptually and then part of a larger negotiation, is how do we undo the politicization of polit- political identities? And that politicization is strongly connected to land or what people call ancestral land. But Jacob, regional leaders do not seem to perceive the situation in this manner. Because now we have Sadak making efforts to pacify the eastern parts of Congo. And there are some people who think that they are the last hope. Or aren't they? Uh, it's, it's not, uh, let, me, let me put it this way and clear straightforwardly. Military uh, intervention is not going to be successful. We have tried this. So currently I'm seeing that SADC uh, is also uh, falling in the same trap that Mones- MONUSCO did and especially the, the, the UN. You can fight the M23, you can fight the FDLR up until you blue. It will not change the perceptions of people when it comes to ethnicity and land. People would say, like, but the, the, the violence that the M23 does um, is despicable, uh, what it does to communities and, and women. I, I agree to that. But the question that we have to ask is, since 2012, why hasn't the UN succeed in dismantling the M23 and getting rid of the M23? Um, and you can ask the same about the FDLR. Yes, in the temporary uh, a military intervention, uh, might be uh, a short-term solution, but the, the long-term solution is negotiations. My answer to this question is, is that parties need to get together and they need to start negotiating a future for that specific region. Indeed, negotiating for future of the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Dr. Jacob Clotter is a researcher at the University of Western Cape and his research focuses on the complexities in the DR conflict. Now straight to your Facebook comments. We asked, what do you make of the U.S. intervention? As Simwe Gideon says, but Rwanda is a harmful country to DRC just because Israel needs minerals for business and DR Congo going into war. And Ben Lampati, you're saying U.S. should mind their own business in this. And Suli Berinui says, look who is talking about PC. I don't know what he means. Is it U.S.? Yeah, he's yeah, talking of U.S. Re- okay, US. Yeah. And John Ojara Olanya, you're saying Congo is going to deal with Rwanda so badly. And Kolei Kolei says, President Kagame, if this is real, you have broken my heart for loving you. It's true that you own the rebel. I'll be very disappointed. And Elvis Ndom, you're saying, who is the U.S. to issue warnings to independent countries? I'm very, uh, I'm very U.S., or rather the very U.S. has a hand in what is happening to these countries. And Kwain Timaneng says the war fueled by the West in is in disguise. Thank you so much for those comments. Remember to keep them coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. This is Africa Link. 
And in case you're just joining us, you're listening to DW's Africa Link program. We broadcast every Monday to Friday from our studios here in Bonn, Germany, also through all our partner stations across the continent. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I'm the co-host, George Okachi. Join the show on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and share your thoughts on the stories that we are covering. Still to come on the program, Cameroonians react as Bia's government ages killed workers not to migrate. Addressing the mass movement requires addressing the root causes of immigration, such as political instability, economic hardship, lack of job opportunities, and last but not the least, a security concern. And we will also bring you more updates on what you need to know in the world of sports. Now, as we move ahead, George, I have a question for you. What is your mother tongue language? How do you say good evening? Well, uh, to begin with, my mother tongue language is Japadola. It's a low-speaking language in uh, Uganda. Uh-huh. So we say good evening. I hope I don't disappoint my grandfather. <laughs> but we say uh, Odiecheng Maberi. Odiecheng Maberi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, I ask because today is the International Mother Language Day. The day aims to promote linguistic and cultural diversity as well as multilingual education based on mother tongue or first language, according to UNESCO. Now, mother language, the foundation for learning other languages, referred to the first language learned at home in childhood and still understood by a person. But in many African urban cities, more and more children choose to speak in foreign languages such as English, French, over their mother mother tongue. Our uh, veteran correspondent, uh, James Shimanyula in Nairobi, went to find out how vital the mother language is. Kenya is home to over 60 indigenous languages, with English and Kiswahili being the official languages. Ramadan Adam is a Borana from the country's northeastern region. He stresses the role of his native language. A mother tongue is important to a child, especially when that child is growing. Communities should preserve their mother tongues. For many years, people of my tribe have been speaking their mother tongue more than any other language. From Kenya's Nyanza region, where Lake Victoria is found, Isaac Ogutu Eluo said this about his mother language. Mother language unites us people from the Luo community. The Luo have united as a community that frequently speaks their mother tongue. We are all together when it comes to speaking our mother tongue. And Lucy Wambui Mwangi, a Kikuyu from Kenya's central region, says children are key to preserving the mother language. I am happy that mother language will help our children to know their mother tongue. When they go to our country, they should not get messed up with other languages. According to Kenya's constitution, the state is responsible for promoting and protecting the diversity and indigenous languages of Kenya's people. Professor Edward Oyugi, one of Kenya's prominent psychologists and an expert in language education, explains why the African mother languages should be promoted. Promoting mother tongue in Africa is quite essential for preserving cultural heritage and fostering a sense of identity among its diverse populations. Africa is a continent rich in linguistic diversity with 
over 2,000 languages. Unfortunately, many of these languages face the risk of extinction due to dominance of colonial languages and globalization, which has introduced factors which undermine the use of local languages. And that threat is real, as underscored by Deng Nial, Acting Director General for Culture in South Sudan's Ministry of Culture. He explains why mother languages are virtually diminishing in many countries, including Africa's newest nation, South Sudan. Our children do not know how to speak their own languages. These children despise their own languages, especially the children in the town, in the cities. They feel embarrassed when they speak their own languages. You find that in the houses, the parents speak to their children in English. You want these kids to feed in the global market. But again, this is at the expense of their own languages. They don't know how to speak their own languages. Linguistics agree that mother languages provide a sense of cultural identity and a foundation for further language learning. In contrast, foreign languages offer opportunities for personal and professional growth and intercultural understanding. James Shimanyula with that particular piece. And, and, and Josie, how would you say thank you to James Shimanyula in your language? James Shimanyula. <laughs> Do you want to try that? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, language is a symbol of identity, tradition, and heritage. You've heard that. Yet Africans are compelled to speak foreign languages, often influenced by colonialism. We asked why. Jimmy Kamau says speaking one's ethnic language can foster a sense of belonging and help preserve cultural traditions and values. Foreign language should be one's second language. And we have Fried Anoy saying in the education system because African language study is important, most citizens perform poorly. Okay, you can also tell us what you think about this International Day of Language, Mother Tongue Languages on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We now head to Cameroon where the government is advising youths to stop fleeing what officials call for greener pastures to Europe and America. Government officials report that more than 6,000 teachers Doctors and nurses who have abandoned the public service within the past three months are in Europe, more especially Canada, where immigration schemes favor young migrants. And Moki Kinzeka tells us more. That is the voice of Cameroon's president, Paul Bia, telling his countrymen that the growing desire by youth to emigrate is increasingly a cause for concern, especially when it becomes an obsession and even involves well-trained and gainfully employed professionals. Bia in the message broadcast on state media daily says Cameroon, like many countries, is facing difficulties, but living at all costs is not the solution. The message also blasts through loudspeakers each morning in some schools, like here at Government High School Nyom in Cameroon's capital, Yaoundé. 37-year-old teacher Josiane Minta says she is happy Bia addressed a burning issue because she travelled illegally to Thailand in 2022 and was deported. We went to Nigeria, to Abuja. I had to send my passport to Kenya. An agent told me, okay, everything is ready, your visa is ready. So when I went to Thailand at the airport, the immigration officers took my passport and they were asking how I got the visa. 
Minta told me she will not obey Bia's advice on youths to remain in Cameroon and serve their fatherland. She said she will raise money to travel this time legally to Canada where there are very many opportunities and better pay. 32-year-old pharmacist Foa Angeline says her urge to go out of Cameroon also increases by the day because she earns less than $120 each month. As a pharmacist, they pay you 80000 Meanwhile, in other countries like Canada, U.S., you hear of people being paid 500000 and above. And the cost of life in Cameroon so has increased. I am a mother of a family. I should take off children. I should pay their fees. I have my plans, my projects. But with what we earn in Cameroon, it's really not possible. Cameroon says it is losing thousands of its teachers, nurses, doctors and other professionals to enticing immigration schemes. How can this brain drain be stopped if not reduced? Tumenta Kennedy, an international migration consultant, says the Cameroon government should improve the conditions of its workers and provide better salaries. Addressing the mass movement requires addressing the root causes of immigration, such as political instability, economic hardship, lack of job opportunities, and last but not the least, a security concern. Addressing the mass movement requires tackling bottlenecks and corruption that are hampering the development of economic activities. Last year, Cameroon said there was a 70% increase in people applying for the U.S. Diversity Visa Lottery, also known as the Green Card Lottery. Thousands are also going to Canada. The government of Cameroon says it gives up to $4,000 and tax suspensions to its citizens who accept to return home and create businesses. The government is also advising youth to embrace agriculture as a profession instead of going for adventures in foreign lands. Moki Edwin Kinzeka, many thanks. Africa Link. Sport. Indeed, it's time for sports, but let's start with some showbiz with Aram Atipo. Thanks, Josie and George. Now, let's start with some good news. Popular Nigerian singer Davido has responded to online critics following his about $200,000 pledge to orphanages across the country. Shortly after the music star was blasted online by NCS, he shared proof of him fulfilling his pledge on social media. Davido, along with his foundation, David Adeleke Foundation, donates annually to orphanages in Nigeria to cushion the economic hardship. Still on Afrobeat news, Grammy-nominated singer Aria Stars much anticipated in the city concert in Johannesburg and Cape Town were cancelled due to visa complications, which has left South African music fans unhappy. Organizers at Stain Entertainment confirmed the unfortunate news citing visa denials for both the singer and her team. Star nominated in the Best African Music Performance category at the recent Grammy Awards was set to headline the event. 
other performers included Grammy-nominated artists Musa Keys, Dali Wonga, Una Rams, Kuto, and Kat Upendi. And now to sports. The much-awaited FIFA Under-20 Women's World Cup 2024 host cities have been formally announced. The prestigious tournament is slated to take place in Bogota, Cali and Medellin, Colombia from August 31 to September 22, 2024. This declaration represents a major turning point in the FIFA Under-20 Women's World Cup equations as Colombia gets ready to host teams and support supporters from all over the world. Bogota, Cali and Medellin were chosen as the host cities because of their strong football cultures and facilities which make them perfect for the tournament's games and celebrations. Globally, football fans are getting more and more excited as the tournament approaches in just few months. And Ghana is in the news again. Some renowned sports journalists in Ghana and scores of Ghanaians are leading a campaign on social media to get the Ghana Football Association GFA and Ministry of Sports to settle the bonuses owed the senior women's national team, the Black Queens. Each player is owed a reported $7,500 even after their bonuses were slashed by 50%. Reports suggest that desperation has pushed the players to the point where they are planning to boycott the final Olympic qualifier against Zambia on February 23 if the bonuses aren't paid. Meanwhile, the Black Stars players had been paid their bonuses even before kicking a ball at the 2023 AFCON in Ivory Coast, a competition which saw Ghana crash out at the group stages. And now to some sad news. The sudden death of Noreen Bethany, a talented striker of the Copper Queens, the Zambia women's national team, and the local team in Denny Roses has been confirmed by the Football Association of Zambia. Bethany, who was a member of the provisional team for Friday's 2024 Paris Olympic Games women's football tournament qualify against Ghana, passed away this morning at the University Teaching Hospital following a possible malaria diagnosis. She was well known for her quickness on the field and unwavering enthusiasm. May her soul rest in peace. And on this sad note, that's all for Showbiz. Back to you, Josie and George. Thank you so much, Ariam Atripo. Until tomorrow, we have to love and leave you. I'm Josie Mahachi. And I'm George Okachi. Made for mine.